so many people hate their own response to the following question. So what does your company actually do? Because in this moment, my friend, you have three options, okay? Number one, pitch slap your prospect. Number two, fumble your way through a long-winded response. And number three, deliver a punchy elevator story that sparks intrigue. Now, if you're nodding your head at number three, but you're like, hold up, I don't even know where to begin, then hey, don't worry. I've got your back. All right, head on down to www.theraviregiani.com forward slash your elevator story to unlock your very own free elevator story script, template, and guide. Welcome to the Influential Communicator Podcast, where my mission is to help B2B salespeople sell more by becoming authentic storytellers and impactful communicators without suppressing who they truly are or their values. I'm your host, Ravi Rajani, and without further wait, let's get into it. From the mean streets of Virginia, Keith Waitman actually graduated with a degree in guitar performance back in 2006 from Towson University. And his mum and dad whispered the following words to him. Keith, so you know those student loans you have, right? What are you doing about them? And back then he was teaching private lessons just after university. And I'm talking about guitar lessons, but you know what? Something just wasn't right. And one resume later, he'd unknowingly stumbled into his true calling in the world of sales. And today, Keith is the RVP of national accounts over at Bullhorn. But more importantly, he's a husband, he's a dad to two boys, and he's obsessed with keeping physically active. He's also got a crazy amount of swagger and you'll know what I mean as soon as he opens his mouth, right? But the reason why I wanted Keith on the show today was to specifically teach you how to deliver a unique and memorable whiteboard presentation, okay? No death by PowerPoint, people. No death by PowerPoint. Keith, welcome to the show, man. What's good? Dude, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy that you reached out to me and that was probably one of the best intros I've ever heard. You made me sound a lot cooler than I am. So I appreciate that. Don't lie, man. Don't lie. I've seen all those pictures of you on LinkedIn with all this swagger, man. Don't lie. You're a cool dude, brother. You're a cool dude. I appreciate that. But tell me, man. So in order to bring the audience up to speed on who you are and all that good stuff, what's one moment inside of your origin story that you think the audience need to know to ensure They've got enough context on the human being that I'm staring in the eyes of right now. Oh, my origin story. I think that, you know, I come from, as you know, I come from a background in music and then I got into sales and I had a lot of success just because I enjoy talking with people. I enjoy learning new things and similar to music, the learning in sales never stops. Like I've been doing this for 16 years and I still learn things from people that have been doing it for two years. And I just love that. Like I have a passion to continue to get better, continue to learn. And for this topic specifically around whiteboarding, I remember the moment that it clicked for me super vividly. I had been going out doing PowerPoint presentations. I used to sometimes I would, if they didn't have like a projector, I had had a backup of the deck printed out and I would like go, it was so bad. 
It was a whole, it was so bad. And I was paired up with a senior solutions consultant. We went on site for a discovery meeting. This guy had a like an architect tube that he brought with him. I'm like, what do you, you get blueprints in there or something? He had paper, flip charts that he brought out. He stuck them on the wall. He brought out his pens and he was like, this is going to be a different type of meeting, right? We're going to make sure that we're working together. We're going to leave this meeting deciding, are we going to work together? Are we a good fit? And we're going to have a really good understanding of if that's the case. And I remember being completely blown away. And that was kind of like, I got to go learn how to replicate what he just did. And when was that? What year was that? Do you know? It was early in my, I would say it's probably 2000 nine or 10. So it's been quite some time. It's funny because I've been on the recipient of one really specific whiteboard presentation that is, it was so memorable. It was so different. It was so unique. They used no slice. They had my name up on there. They had my goals. They had reverse engineered like what I wanted to achieve with their marketing firm. And I was like, man, this is so cool. It was so, so good. But I think it takes a lot of confidence. I think it takes a lot of competence and I think it takes a lot of cojones, is that the right word, maybe, to yeah. really pull that off. And I want to learn from you how you do that. But before we get into it, man, you're a competitive dude, right? You're a competitive dude from what your LinkedIn profile states. So what I want to know, and I didn't get to ask you this in the green room, was, look, you got two boys. You clearly coach one of their teams or something like that. Are you that dude sitting on the sidelines screaming at your kids or screaming at the opposition's parents? Like, what type of dad are you? Because I need some advice, man, because that's probably going to be me one day. No, I, so I'm definitely not one of those parents. I just suffer in silence. I'm like, <laughs> you know, and, and the whole, the whole, like, everybody deserves a trophy. Like, I'm so against that. So like, in my head, I'm like, oh my God, no, I just want to win. Like, so yes, I coach their soccer. I've coached their basketball. And I'm always like, all right, let's put in the people to win. And like, my wife's like, Keith, they're five and six years old. Like, they're just here to have fun. I'm like, no, we're here to win. <laughs> let's put in the people to win. And then you've got like Sammy and Joe with like Marmite on their face and Nutella. They're five, man. That's funny. That's funny, bro. As we were saying, they're at that age where dad is still cool, man. You've got to hold on to that tight. Exactly. Exactly. Got to hold on to it tight, brother. And another thing I know, which is super important to you as well, and we were talking about this in the green room, was your newsletter. And man, I'm signed up. So I'm looking forward to digging deep into some of those gold nuggets. Do you post or do you have that newsletter going out every single week? Or it's every two weeks, right? If I'm not mistaken. No, every, every Saturday at 10 a.m. I've got an article that goes out. And then I okay. try to keep it. It's for salespeople, so I try to keep it under three minutes for them to read, something really actionable that they can take away and implement you know, immediately. That's awesome, man. And what's the link for those people listening? We're going to put it in the show notes, but what's the link for people who want to go check it out? Yeah, it is www.salesfromthetrenches at beehive.com. And beehive with two eyes. No there you E go, at people. the end. Beautiful. There you go, people. Go check it out. Go check it out. All right. So let's get into it, man. Let's let's extract some of that juice from you. So the context for those listening, I saw a post of Keith's probably about a week ago now about ditching PowerPoint and engaging in whiteboard presentations. And he showed what poor looks like and he showed what good looks like. And I was like, okay, we need this on the show, man. So to start off, to give the audience a bit of background and context here, 
why is a whiteboard presentation more memorable than PowerPoint? Like, what's the why behind that? Yeah, I think there's a couple key factors, but I would say the biggest thing for me is it's visual storytelling, right? And I know, obviously, you are very big on telling stories, and I believe in that too. But then when you add the visual element of you're drawing pictures, you're having situational fluency, you can take the conversation in the story where it naturally wants to go because you're focused on listening versus I got to get everything that's on this deck. I'm just focused on the message that I'm trying to deliver. So there's a, a theory called the picture superiority effect, which states that when there are visuals, you remember more than just a spoken word. And I think it was something that you two days after you hear a spoken word, you remember 10% of the content. But when there are visuals included, it spikes up to like 65% on how much you remember from that conversation. So for me, that was so compelling of how do I incorporate some of the psychology into the storytelling and in visual storytelling with whiteboarding is how I try to, to replicate that. That's dope, man. I love it. I love it. And also for the audience, if they didn't fully grasp what situational fluency is, can you talk to that just for a second? Exactly. Yeah. So there's oftentimes you're in a conversation, whether someone else walks in and wants to talk about something completely different, or you're in the middle of a, a presentation and the customer goes, you know what? I'm That's interesting, but I'm more interested to talk about this rather than saying, oh, I'm going to get to that in a few slides. Do you mind holding that? You can take the conversation wherever you want it to go. Like, okay, great. Then you can start to whiteboard what they're talking about, understand what the challenges are and why they want to talk about it, what they've tried before. So it allows you to not be tethered to a PowerPoint and take the conversation where it naturally should flow. I love that, man, because how many times does a client say, I'm actually only interested in these specific features. And you're like, ah, my 70 page deck, what do I do with it? And you've got to pivot on the spot. And if you, if you don't have that situational fluency, you can really just crash and burn really. Right. So that's great, man. Exactly. And that happens often, right? Especially if they want to talk about something that's not in your deck. Mm. Like a lot of reps can get paralyzed by that of, I don't know what to do. And then their meeting goes downhill and allowing you to have that fluency allows you to take the meeting where it needs to go. I also think, and I'm curious to get your take on this, but I also think it boils down to the level of comfort that one has in their own skin. And I think it's similar to being on stage because if the tech goes down or the PowerPoint slides go down, you are still you. You can still hold your own on stage. You still have everything it takes to deliver an impactful message. But sometimes I think we use PowerPoint as a crutch. What do you think about it, man? 100% a crutch, 100%. And part of whiteboarding allows you to really internalize a message, make it your own. And most people shy away from it because they think like, oh, I, I can't draw or I can't, I don't have good handwriting. You don't have to. If you can draw simple shapes, you can whiteboard. And in my opinion, it actually helps you to simplify the messages because we all know that complex messages don't really get remembered. They don't get heard. You need to simplify it for a buyer. And you'd be surprised how a couple triangles, a circle and some lines can really take complex ideas 
and simplify them for your buyer. Oh, dude, that's so true. I mean, I don't know how you feel about this, but when I walk into, for example, the Apple store, because everything is white, clean, and there's a focus on minimalism, I feel like I can think clearly and it just makes me want to buy something. So I like the white space effect on slides, on everything. I like more white space. But anyway, I digress, man. So let's yeah. let's run through a situation, okay? So let's say I'm somebody in your team and I've been using PowerPoint as a crutch. And now you want to, I suppose, transition me into using whiteboard presentations. Where do I begin? Like, actually, where do you begin with me, rather? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. One, you need to make sure they feel comfortable and you break it down to bite-sized chunks. It's right. Where I typically start is our customers have the same challenges, right? They may be discussed differently. So trying to get them to think of those challenges visually, like if I was going to draw something on the board. If someone says, hey, I have a problem with manual processes, well, let's think about how we would actually depict that rather than just writing manual processes because the combination of both pictures and text is what brings that picture superiority effect into play. So we'll go through an exercise. We'll we'll list, okay, here are the challenges that our buyers face. Let's How would we draw that with a simple icon? Right. And then we will say, okay, here's a deck that marketing has presented with the message they want us to deliver. How would we simplify that and give that as a whiteboard presentation? And then we just keep building upon that. And then we'll go into some scenarios of, okay, I'll ask a question to take them off their topic. How will they handle that? And then we work over time to build out a framework. So I've got some frameworks built out for like discovery meetings. So they know how the board should be set up. So it feels like a natural conversation, but in the background, they've got a framework of, okay, this is where I'm going to start. So I'll start with what are the priorities of the business? What are the project priorities and how do they align? And then more of the tactical, let's workflow diagram out your current process so we can understand, which is great for collaboration because then the buyer will pick up a pen and say, actually, this is how you do it. And then you guys are collaborating versus talking at the buyer. Okay. Okay. This is cool. This is cool. So let, let's take it back for a second because I want to chunk it out between discovery and demo. And then let's take a look at the different frameworks. So correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds as though from what you're saying is you take the deck that is given from marketing, depending on what you see on the challenge from the the challenges you see from the client. And then you are whiteboarding out that deck and ultimately sequencing it out. So let's take a discovery call. The challenge is X. Now you're teaching me the sequence. Could you walk through one of your frameworks or that sequence? Yeah. Yeah. So I've got one, I call it the, the one big thing framework or the TOBT for short. And it stands, you know, when you get up in front and you say, look, we understand that if we're going to work together, we've got to make sure that we're aligned with an executive priority that I'm assuming is being blocked right now. And that's probably why we're here. So that's what we're going to unpack. So let's start at the one big thing. What are the things that you keep hearing reoccurring internally of what the business is trying to do, whether it's growth or it's reducing costs or mitigating risk? And we start there. So it's basically a big box and we write it down, right? It's growth. So I'll draw a little chart, right? We'll start there and then say, okay, what are the things that are currently in the way? So you got three lines down and you start to write 
what the challenges is. And I like to focus on three. What are the three things that you think are blocking right now? How long has it been going on? What have you tried so far and why haven't they worked? So then you start to get problem, impact of the problem. Can you quantify it? Right. And then once you can quantify it, you start writing it up on the board. And then the last is a rectangle at the end that says, okay, what do you feel needs to be true in the solution that you think is going to get you to unblock that executive priority? Most people have an idea in their mind what they think they need. This allows you to understand what they're thinking. Like, does it align with what we do? Do we need to reframe? the solve because maybe what they're thinking is different than how we would solve it, but at least allows you to understand how they're thinking. And then from there, you've got it all whiteboard. And I'll tell you, most of the time people will be like, oh, I got to take a picture of that. Or do you mind leaving that here? Or can you leave the flip chart here? That piece is super memorable because now people want to almost memorialize the meeting that you had versus, hey, can you send me that 72 page slide deck that you sent me? Cut, pause, or whatever we need to say for me to get your attention. Because before we get back to the show, I have some breaking news. Okay, listen, ladies and gents, feature selling is dead. And story selling is alive. Because if you really want to build trust, stand out, and close more deals in a recession, then you need to try something new so you can drive your company to a world of efficiency and profitability. And that's Exactly why. I've opened up many slots this year for different companies to partner with me for implementing my story selling framework inside of their sales process. Now, the outcomes are all the good stuff. I'm talking about increasing average order value, collapsing time inside of your sales cycle, and driving win rates. But more importantly, transforming your team to sell in a way that really focuses on human connection. And hey, That's what I'm all about. So if you're nodding your head right now, then head on down to www.theraviregiani.com forward slash contact to book your complimentary discovery call to see if there's alignment. And hey, if there is, great. And if there's not, that's cool too. I'll see you on the other side. Yeah, got you, man. Okay, so I want to recap that in just a second. But for any case of confusion for the audience, are you talking about an electronic or virtual whiteboard using some app? Or are you talking about like a real pen and whiteboard behind you? So it could be either, right? So I love, especially for discovery meetings. So for context, my team works on pretty large, complex deals that are multiple six figures. So our on-site discoveries are probably can go anywhere between a half day to a full day of really mapping out the process and the challenges. So those are good to be on site with a live whiteboard or a flip chart. But if you sell virtually, I use an iPad. I use the native notes app and you can, you can whiteboard right when you're speaking with the buyer via your iPad. You don't need anything fancy. I've got a stylus and an iPad. Or say you're at lunch. One of my favorite inventions, you probably remember these from a childhood, the, all the different colors. And that's a big piece of whiteboarding too, is the colors. I could think about when you're writing down challenges, what's a color that comes to your head of like, what means stop or challenge? What color comes to your mind? Red. 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 Exactly. And then green for like, here's the solution, because that means go. And black for the context of here's just what we're talking about. So again, goes back to that visual, 
how do you add the element of contrast? You talked about the different contrasts when you walk into an Apple store. It's the same thing as you're telling a story. You take the colors based on the emotions, and that ties into that memory of when they see something and they see their current process with all this red everywhere, it really amplifies that the man, I need to fix this. This is worse off than what I really imagined going back to that visual element of it. Oh boy, I love color psychology, man. I love that. And by the way, for those of you who are listening to this versus watching, Keith showed me a pen, which when you click on different parts of it, it has a red ink, it has green ink, it has, I don't know, black ink, whatever it might be. So that's what he was clicking there if you uh, if you heard that. So Okay, so it sounds as though what we're really beginning with is extracting the pain and then highlighting in a box the underlying root cause of that problem. And then we're asking the question, what do you think you need right now to solve it? Because you're saying that they have probably an idea of what the current strategy is to solve it. Then you're uncovering that strategy. Then what do we do? From there, then we actually go into an actual whiteboarding process map of their current process. So we'll start at the very beginning. So our company sells software to staffing and recruiting firms. So we know the process of a start with sales and how they go and get jobs. How do they then interact? Then they pass it over to the recruiter. What are the challenges on that handoff? So we'll whiteboard the process out and start to map out where those gaps are to, again, amplify the reasons why they're talking to us and the gaps that we're trying to solve. So then it becomes like a fun, interactive, like I'll be up there or a rep will be up there drawing. And someone will be like, oh, actually, it's like this. Well, rather than me going up and erasing it and making a change, be like, hey, you're probably way better at this than I do, than I am. And you know this. Do you mind doing it and showing us how it works? And I'll hand them the pen. They'll come up and they'll start. You know, that really where I talked about collaboration, you don't ever sit in a meeting and a customer says, hey, do you mind if I add another slide to this deck for you? But we've got this, there's these things in our brain called mirror neurons, which basically when you see someone else do something, you're more likely to reenact or follow them. So that's a big piece of the whiteboarding. If someone sees you whiteboarding, many times it's like, oh, he's not doing it right or she's not doing it right. I want to go up there and help them. So that's where the collaboration comes in play. Oh, dude, rather, that is so, so good. That is so intentional and it's so good because suddenly you feel like you're a part of the decision-making process and also a part of the strategy, which is incredible. And I think what's really insightful here is when somebody, I suppose a salesperson, is explaining the gap, like, okay, here's where you are now, here's where you want to be. It's sometimes hard for a prospect to visualize how big that gap is. But like you said, when you're whiteboarding it, you're like, whoa, that gap is huge. And that gap is the value. So that's such a great piece of visual storytelling. Yeah, that is the the biggest impact of what you just said. It's the visualization of the gap and the challenges that they're trying to solve. It just brings more oomph to the, the problem because now they can actually see it versus just think of it in their in their head. That's so cool, man. So, okay, so we've ironed out their current strategy. We're taking a look at the gaps. We're understanding where they are now and where they want to be. 
how do we guide them and prescribe a solution using a whiteboard presentation? Yeah, I think if we're going on continuing on the conversation of a discovery and how we wrap things up, I like to have the reps focus on tying stories from other customers that had very similar challenges, right? So you go through the whole process, you map everything out and you say, you know what? This is not very unfamiliar than XYZ company that had the same challenge. Here's what they were struggling with. Here's how we helped. Does this sound like something that we should look at for you as well? And then we start to map out, okay, what are our next steps? Usually after the discovery, we come back and we do a solutions presentation, which is here's everything you told us. Here's the current state. Here's future state. And then we'll obviously show the software as a proof point, tying back to everything that we learned in the discovery and making sure we're focusing on those pain points versus just a generic, generic demo. So we'll actually write on the board, here are our next steps. If there are things that we need from them, we put that on there and say, okay, you said you were going to get this data for us for our next meeting. The other thing I love about the whiteboarding, everybody loves a parking lot, right? When someone asks you something you don't necessarily know, or it's something you need to follow up on at a later point, you can put that for everybody to see to make sure the customer knows, okay, they didn't forget about it. It's right here. Like they'll make sure that they follow up. So that's another, you know, aspect to it as well that's helpful. I just thought, how cool would it be if you're on a call with somebody and instead of receiving a list of follow-up points, there's a picture of the whiteboard with all of the follow-up points. And all of a sudden it's like, it's so visual, it's so different. Yeah. Now I've got, it's funny because when we do our whiteboarding tool, we'll save pictures. We'll take pictures of the customer, we'll take pictures and I'll save them in a, a folder. So we can always go back as you talk about training reps and how we can get them. We've got a repository of like here are frameworks. Here's how we rolled it out. Mm. So they have some examples and and starting points. So you mentioned stories in there and I want to touch upon the demo just a little bit more in a second, but you mentioned stories about customer success stories. Are there any other specific stories that you have your rep share throughout that discovery call or workshop? I think stories in general are something we try to incorporate Throughout, because I think stories, analogies can make unfamiliar problems familiar, right? Taking everyday things that we know, like for instance, we've got a platform that has the ability to plug and play with different applications, and the end user can configure it the way that they want to work. Well, rather than talking about that and functionality and features, we relate it back to an iPhone. Right? So you tell the story of, I don't know if you've ever picked up your wife's phone and tried to find like the phone app or Facebook. Like I can't find it on my wife's phone because she puts everything in folders and they're on different pages where I have everything in one way because everybody wants to work how they want to work and what's most efficient to them. So we tie the story of configurability and flexibility to a common use case that they know and they can you know, relate to versus hey, your people can move some widgets around on the screen. I love it, man. It reminds me of Steve Jobs's famous phrase of it's like having a thousand songs in your pocket when he first released the iPod, right? He didn't talk about the features. He explained something relatively new and complex at the time in a really simple way. So I love that, man. I love that. That's really cool. 
Really cool. Yeah. So if there's one thing that sellers could do to remove death by PowerPoint in demos and use whiteboard presentations for these demos, what's one thing that they could do to implement that like tomorrow if they've been using PowerPoint as a crutch? Yeah, I think the easiest way, and to your point, you got to go baby steps. You don't necessarily have to eliminate PowerPoint altogether. So I would say, take your PowerPoint, but use it where you can annotate with a stylus on your PowerPoint. So now you're adding, okay, you've still got some of the the backdrop of the PowerPoint if you're not fluent to be able to do a whiteboard presentation without. But then you add the visual element of you can still draw on the screen. You can take their feedback as they're asking it on the actual deck. So then they start to feel comfortable with the act of whiteboarding and listening versus just reading off a. That's the biggest challenge I see with decks is the reps are just focused on delivering the message that's on the deck versus having a conversation and getting feedback and actually listening to what their buyer is asking and saying. So to simplify, get your deck, get a stylus right on the deck as you're talking in the demo. I love that, man, because I think a lot of the time, as you said, people are focusing on what you've written inside of the deck versus actually listening to you. And that's powerful. So I think the hybrid version is very, very cool. And I'm just thinking out loud, could this be something that people could implement where if they know the problems and the gap, then they could recap recap that rather on a demo at the beginning using a whiteboard and then use their slides and then slowly transition to needing their slides less and less. Could that be a good halfway house? hundred percent. Yeah. It's like, how do you continue to progressively remove the reliance on PowerPoint and more on telling a story visually through whiteboarding? And that's a great, great way to do it. I think it's fascinating what you're saying, brother, because looking at somebody like Neil Fleming's VAC model According to his hypothesis, people are visual learners, auditory or kinesthetic, and really you're speaking. So there's the auditory part. The visual part is the whiteboard. And then the collaborative piece is the kinesthetic. So you're hitting on all of those points to really penetrate your core message. I love it, man. This has been super insightful, bro. Is there one final nugget that you'd like to leave the audience with? I think that if they want more insight into visual selling. There's a book called Whiteboard Selling, Visual Storytelling. That's on Amazon. They should definitely, there are frameworks in there. That's where I really learned how to develop. It was a book written like years ago. They were a sales training company that Corporate Visions bought. Now Corporate Visions does whiteboard training and things like that. So if they want to learn more, go check that out. I've also, if they want to reach out to me, I've got some frameworks I'm happy to share as well. Nice, brother. I love it, man. I love it. And let's leave the audience with one final insight. So as you know, the show is called The Influential Communicator, right? And I always like to ask the audience, or rather the guests on the show, who is one individual that you look up to as an influential communicator right now and why? Ooh, that's a good question. I think that someone I've been, and I'm going to, I don't know his name. Well, okay. I know his name. I don't know how, I don't know his last name. His name's right. Vin. His first okay. name's Vin. And he's, I think he's Australian. He actually is a communication coach. 
Yeah. And and I'm not just trying to flatter you. You remind me very much of him. Like you, the way that you communicate, the way that you use vocal inflections, the way that you use your hands in your body movement really is super powerful, engaging and pulling people in and keeping people interested. I'll find myself watching like almost like a 45 minute video of this person just because they just engage you and they pull you in. So he actually got some courses that I'm about to take around how to be a better communicator, how to use your your gift of your voice and pulling people in. So his name's Vin. I can't think of his last name, but it's super, super powerful. And I would also say you. We obviously just met not too long ago. And I know I've told you multiple times, like your charm and the way that you deliver the message is super, super impactful. And I've really enjoyed getting the, the opportunity to, to talk with you. Well, firstly, brother, thank you so much for the compliment and the acknowledgement. I receive it with open arms, my friend. So thank you for that. I really do appreciate it. And the second thing, I know who you're talking about. He's, uh, I don't know. I know how you spell his first name. It's V-I-N-H, but I don't know how to pronounce and I don't know his surname, but I know what you mean. He's a very captivating dude. I love his content. It's mainly on YouTube, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think he's on LinkedIn, right? Yeah, I think YouTube and Instagram is where I originally came across him. Got you, man. Got you. Well, good luck with his courses, brother. Good luck. And where can people go to learn more about what you're up to, man? LinkedIn is the best best place to find me, Keith Waitman. I'm pretty active there. Every 9.30, every weekday, I post some type of short little tip. And then as you mentioned earlier, I've got the, the weekly newsletter that comes out on Saturdays at 10 a.m. Eastern. And here's what I'd like you to do, people. Okay, if you've enjoyed this episode, don't go, man. Stay with me. Stay with me. I promise it's going to be good. All right, here's what I'd like you to do. I want you to take a snapshot or a screenshot of where you're listening to this right now. And I want you to go to LinkedIn, tag myself and Keith and tell us what was the one powerful nugget that you took away from today's episode. And I promise we will come back to you. If Keith doesn't, you can start trolling him and you can blame it on me. But uh, listen, ladies and gents, I hope you enjoyed the show. I'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Peace. I have a question for you, my friend. And that question is, is what would it take to have you subscribe to the Influential Communicator podcast and leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. Because I tell you what, my friend, my big mission is to help B2B sellers and all listeners of this show sell more by becoming influential storytellers and communicators without, without suppressing their personality and disowning their value. So, hey, The more the word gets out about this podcast, the more people we can gather on this mission. So if you could support me, then hey, that would be dope. And if not, that's dope too. Either way, I got love for you. All right, I'll see you on the other side.